Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. This is Rivalries, a series where we speak to fans and reporters of rival clubs. We're joined today by Greg O'Keefe, an Everton writer from The Athletic. I began by asking Greg what Villa should expect from Everton this Saturday. Well, I think they can expect an Everton team that, although still not firing on all cylinders from in the way they were in the first sort of quarter, stretching it to maybe half of the season, they are hopefully beginning to find their feet again just in time. Um, Carl Anschotti said that he feels that anything but qualifying for Europe would be would represent a failure. Um, and the winner, the Emirates against Arsenal on Friday, just gone. Although by no means a, a stylish display overall, put them right back in the mix to get into the Europa League. Um, so they're, they're going to have their tails up after that. First time they'd won down there for like 26 years. So right, <laughs> massive, wow. result, massive result. Um, mm. They've got key players coming back to full full fitness at the right time. Almost a full squad. Touch wood, James Rodriguez, who's Everton's best player by a country mile, really. Um, wow. Has been has been pretty injury free. Uh, it's only really Abdullah Dukore as a regular that they're, they're missing at the moment. So that they're, they're in pretty decent fettle, um, and obviously it's uh, it's it's an important game for Everton. One of two games against the Villa that one of them's been up their sleeve for a long time as as a game in hand. Mm. But they're aware that they've got to you know that they, 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 there's absolutely no. Uh, case that they can take it Villa for granted they've been there and thereabouts not a million miles from Everton all season um, after you know they've got their own game changes and um, they won't be they won't be taking it for granted by any means Yeah I mean it's probably quite a good thing for Everton that those that game in hand or the two games are now because Villa aren't in the greatest form compared to how we were doing earlier this season Yeah um, what, what are you expecting from us um, and who do you identify as Villa's main threat bearing in mind Jack Grealish is not a certainty to play uh, Yeah I mean you know you're, you're always looking at Grealish but it, as you say it's it's not guaranteed that he'll play and I think Ollie Watkins is going to cause any defence uh, problems at the moment uh, the form he's been in this season uh, Everton have largely defended quite well, but unfortunately against Tottenham, uh, again they probably should have won. Really, the which was the league game before Arsenal. Um, there was a few uncharacteristic defensive errors between Mason Holgate and Michael Keane, uh, which um, Harry Kane was able to take advantage of. And uh, Watkins is the type of striker that can do exactly that. He can take advantage of if you drop your guard. You know, he can, he's shown this season that he's you know bordering on be, becoming a, a real elite level striker. He's got so much potential. So they're going to have to be on their toes. Um, you know, we they know it's not going to be easy to break Villa down. Um, there's been a lot of talk about him over Taro Mings and, you know, his emergence this season. Villa aren't going to be a pushover defensively. So everything they're going to have to be absolutely at it to try and uh, to try and break Villa down and, and get in behind them. And I think Rodriguez is going to be very, very important because he pulls the strings for Everton, you know, gave, giving him the the ball as much as they can, and then and then hoping that Richarlison and Calvert Lewin can get on the end of the uh, the assist or the pre-assist that he he creates. You know, Everton go a lot down the left-hand side and creating overlaps with Lucas Dean, getting crossed into the box and Calvert Lewin attacking the ball. So 
Um, that's what you probably expect from them. But I think from Villa, they're going to expect a really, really tough game, and, and they're going to have to know that they can't uh, they can't be making any basic defensive errors because Villa will probably punish them. Mm, I wouldn't be massively surprised if actually. Um... Villa target Hammers Rodriguez with a marvellous Nakamba, who's a defensive uh, stopper, essentially, in midfield for us. He doesn't play yeah. that often, but he, you know, he appears in these sorts of games where we need to stop um, elite-level attackers. But um, a player I was going to mention, actually, um, who I would have identified as a real danger is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, earlier this season, he was absolutely firing on it. He was scoring goals all the time, but it seems as if it's gone a little bit quiet uh, at his end. Um, is, he, is he still performing? Yeah, I think that's a fair point. It has dropped off a little bit with uh, with dominant level he was at the first half of the season. Um, he's he's certainly still working extremely hard. The goals or, or the the rate of goals he was scoring has dried up a little bit. Um, it's true to say that he hasn't had as good service when you've had certain players in and out of the team. Rodriguez missed a few games. Luca Dean missed some games. Um, but equally, he has been missing chances in a way he wasn't earlier in the season. He's been getting really good opportunities one-on-one and failing to put them away. Um, similar against uh, Brighton in the game before Tottenham Everton were well, really, really poor in front of goal. And not just him, Richarlison too, but as you say, Calvert-Lewin really caught the attention of the wider footballing, um, certainly the Premier League earlier in the season with the way he was, you know, for his age and mm. for all his attributes, he, and, he, and he stepped up. And uh, he still is on course to score 20 Premier League goals for Everton this season. And I would say he'll do that. But you're right, levels have dropped off um, and he just needs to keep working. And, and when he does get the chances, he needs to needs to be putting them away, really. He's never at his best when he has time to think about it. One-on-one with a goalkeeper bearing down, you wouldn't really back him. He's, right. he's better and he's he's a, a tremendous athlete. He's got a brilliant leap and he's he's deadly in the air. So if you get a good cross into him and he attacks the ball and gets across the defender, he's a real old-fashioned sense forward in that regard. So I think that's where he's going to worry you. And, and you know, when he's instinctively getting on the end of a move and just getting his, reaching his long leg out to finish, he, he's tremendous. Uh, maybe not as clinical as you'd like, as I say, when he has time to, actually stare down the, the goalkeeper and white to his eyes at the moment. But he's only young and he's developing. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing him and Esri Konza go head-to-head because I think yeah. at our end of Villa, Esri Konza is a young English player like Calvert-Lewin. They're both so great and come on so much this season. It's going to be, that'll be quite an interesting battle, actually, and a real test for Esri. Um, but you, uh, you also mentioned James Rodriguez. I mean, he was a stellar name for, for Everton to sign this season. And... Uh, so you mentioned earlier he's by far and away your best player. Um, so I take it by that that he's performing really well. Yeah, he really is. Um, at times, it's almost the level. And look, this is no this is no sort of disrespect to Everton's other players. You know, James Rodriguez is is exceptional um, and is a world truly world class player. You, know, you only have to look at his CV to see that. But sometimes the gap between him and the rest of the team is uh, is is very stark. Um, mm. Nevertheless, you know, Everton have done, done some good business last summer and they've got some good players in there and they're trying to go places and, and he is the icing on the cake. His work rate has been really impressive. Um, you know, there might have been fears uh, that he would just be there to, as maybe to um, a bit of a luxury player, someone who can obviously do the business when, when it's called upon, but has played on much bigger stages and might not fancy the graft of required in the Premier League. Um, and I, I can say that that's, that's definitely not the case from what we've seen. We've seen players prepared to work hard 
a player who is prepared to track back. Not that you want him tracking back. And, you know, Carlo Ancelotti said that, that you know, he, he does try and as much as he can build the midfield mm. almost around him uh, and, and make up for his, his sort of the fact that he wants him to have a freer role. Uh, at times that's worked. Um, getting the ball to him is all important. But as you say, if if someone is, is capable of sticking to him and, and sort of nullifying him, then I think that's where Everton uh, can run into problems because they haven't got someone else like that who can open up a defence. Yeah, I'd say Hammers is the player to me. I think we just have to figure out what, a way to stop him, which is why well, I wouldn't be yeah. too stunned if Marvellous Nakamba played. But then again, Nakamba features so rarely for Villa, I also wouldn't be shocked if he didn't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, at the start of the season, Villa, we signed um, a player who was supposed to come in and, you know, be a creative force for us. And he started brilliantly. It all went really well, but it's kind of tailed off a bit. And it's a player you will know very well from Everton, Ross Barkley. Um, he seems to have sort of become slightly unpopular with Villa fans recently, just going by some of his performances where he looks not particularly confident. Now, I've defended him quite a bit, you know, because it's very hard for players when they're coming back from a, an injury, then they have that COVID break that Villa had, and then it's difficult to just get your way back into form. But, you know, he's not done himself huge favours with how he's played. Um, what, what do you think of Barkley? I'm glad that we had a chance to chat about him because you know I, I, I'm just keen to hear what you think about him. He, he's a player that Evertonians, for better or worse, uh, uh, endlessly fas- fascinated by, or certainly can be at times when they reflect back. I used to um, be the Everton correspondent for the local paper, the uh, Liverpool Echo. You know, for, yeah. for your, listen- your listeners in the Midlands, the equivalent to the of the, of the Mail up your way, and uh, um, I was there when he burst onto the scene, you know, under David Moyes and. Uh, you know, you get a lot of hyperbole with younger players, but I, I got the sense with Barkley, it was never never hyperbole. People were telling me that he's the best young player that Everton had produced since, uh, without a doubt, since winning Rooney. Yeah. Um, absolutely chock full of natural talent and athleticism. And I remember watching him in under-18s games, just look like he was a 28-year-old playing against kids. Uh, physically and in terms of his, you know, his, uh, his, his technical ability. Mm. Uh, his debut against Blackburn under David Moyes, you know, two to a draw it was. And he, I remember, again, he, he stunned everyone, really, um, in the sense that I remember straight after that game, um, Moyes was... Moyes obviously knew the prospect he had on his hands, but had to be very careful then because there was a clamour from his play all the time. Mm. And clearly, under, you know, under Martinez, after Moyes moved on, and then Koeman, he had some really exciting seasons as a pivot between sort of what was a quite a, a, a conservative defensive unit with Gareth Barry uh, and James McCarthy at the, at the base of the defence. And then Ross was the engine to take the ball from one end of the pitch to the other. Where it was really frustrating with Ross is that his final ball, the part of the game when he was required to have the speed of thought and clarity of options, never quite seemed to be there. Um, his game intelligence in that one split second seems to be lacking. So again, if it was things that came innately to him, uh, it was no issue. Technically, he was a fantastic player, mm. but sometimes not the most intelligent in the footballing sense. So his last ball would be wasted, and, and that didn't seem to improve. Then, of course, we'll never know if it would have improved at Everton because there was quite the unseemly situation where he got a really bad injury when he yeah. wanted to go to Chelsea anyway rehabbed at Everton and ends up going to Chelsea and effectively running down his contract. And that left a very, very sour taste in Evertonian's mouths. And yeah. um, 
to this day. He's, he's not very popular with a lot of Everton fans. But one thing they can't deny is his potential when he bursts through what we saw of his ability. You know, his, his season under Martinez, 13-14 um, season, I think he got eight goals and eight eight assists, which for you know, a midfielder is, is good stuff, isn't it? And that was when he was just still a teenager. You know, he had a great uh, link-up with, with Romelu Lukaku, who obviously similar age, but a touch older, uh, but has gone on to really become an elite-level player. And I think if you ask Romelu Lukaku today, he would sing Ross's praises. Tim Cahill uh, said he was one of the best young players he's ever, he's ever played with. Mm. Mikel Arteta, likewise. And I think, from my point of view, there's a bit of a disappointment that he hasn't taken the opportunity he was given at Villa to go slightly out of the limelight from West London, where obviously at Chelsea, because of the nature of Chelsea, everything you do is scrutinised. He's gone to a club similar to Everton in terms of its history and its fan base, um, with a good manager, good set of lads, and an opportunity to reset and start again. And it just doesn't seem to have happened. <laughs> what do you make of him? What do you see as his strengths and weaknesses? What, what hasn't he done enough of? Yeah, I think when well when we signed him, um, I remember seeing it announced and just being so like yeah. excited by it because it was like you know we've this is the this is a real attacking um, creative player we've brought in um, who has physicality. Um, he's creative. He's he's just got you know to us it felt like he could get get us on another level. And to be honest, there were games at the very start of the season against Liverpool, the one we won seven two. Um, Leicester where he got the winner and Arsenal where he was exceptional Um, and he had a certain to me it was a physicality that he had that I think threw defenders off um, and was really difficult to deal with he but he looked confident he looked like he loved playing with Grealish and it soon after that he got an injury and he was just out for a while and then when he was due to come back we had the COVID break in January um, so we couldn't train Um, that disrupted him further and ever since although he got a winner against Southampton he's just like a player who's not sure of himself like he gets the ball and you can see by his um just by his mannerisms um sometimes when he gives it away that he there's a sense of just you know frustration or just a lack of belief or it, it looks to me like he's a confidence player and it looks to me like he's just completely lost confidence and um, maybe in the back of his mind, he also knows Villa aren't going to sign him. So it's back to mm-hmm. Chelsea and what mm-hmm. happens then. So he's got the future to think about now as well. So, you know, you never know. I, I could also see Dean Smith giving him a start against Everton. You know, he might hope that he's, you know, feeling up for it against Everton to do something. But uh, at the moment, I wouldn't be too confident he is. Uh, he just he just makes some very odd decisions on the pitch. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it, it, again, it is that decision-making, isn't it? And I know what you say when you say is it a mental thing with him. And, and you know, we, we can't begin to guess what goes on in a player's mind. But yeah. t- technically, it's all there. I mean, he's two-footed. Yeah. He, yeah, you know, he can switch direction. He's, as you say, that physicality for a midfield player. He looks more like a cruiserweight boxer, doesn't he? He's, yeah. he's reason, reasonably quick. It just should work. He's got so many of the boxes ticked, and yet it, it seems to not. And... Um, it's a shame when you when you talk about the way he started the season and the way obviously circumstances to a degree out of his control have obviously conspired to take the wind out of his sails. I must admit, it it strikes me as bizarre that that win against Liverpool, which obviously the blue half of Merseyside enjoyed absolutely, was this season. It feels like that was about five years ago. That's the way this season dragged. It really up. does. It really <laughs> does. Uh, the way we're playing at the moment, it feels like ten years ago. <laughs> All Villa, no filler. 
on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Now it's time for our section where we ask our rival fans a spicy question. Today we ask you, Greg, the Euros aren't too far away and obviously Jack Grealish is a player that a lot of England players, uh, England fans sorry, are very excited about. Um, would you take Grealish considering his injuries problems at the moment and if so, should he start for England? 100% yes. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Jack Grealish should be in that Euro England squad for the Euros. And for me, if you want to go and be a front foot attacking team, you know, full of energy and vigour and creativity, <laughs> I can see why players like Eric Dyer was in the squad and will probably continue to be so on the go to Southgate. But you need to embrace our younger attacking players. And if Mason Mount's going to be there, then Jack Grealish is absolutely going to be there. Um, he's the most naturally gifted uh, midfield player I've seen homegrown midfield player I've seen for it, play for England for a long time. Um, the injury problems are, are you know, I, I take your point a bit of an issue. But um, if, if, they're con- if they're convinced that he's fit, then it's just a no-brainer. Why would you even con- consider it? I mean, what, what, what has it been with him in injuries this season? Has it just been a case of bad luck or... Yeah, um, well, the last kind of couple of seasons, he's had a, a leg problem. And so last season, he was out for a period of time. Season before, same again. And it seems like the same thing's happened this year where he was out since I think it's late January. Um, and you can just really see how much it's affected Villa in the sense of just like, it's like night and day. You know, we were so exciting, so creative going forward as a team. And our, t- our sort of tactics were built around him. Um, but then he got injured and we just looked very predictable ever since. Our form's sort of gone off a bit of a cliff. And it, I mean, it, it says a lot about how good he is that he was able to lift Villa to the levels he did and effectively mm-hmm. kind of kept us up last season as well. Um, so the injury, uh, he was due to come back a couple of weeks ago and he had a setback the day before the game. So um, it, it just seems to be one of them injuries that's very hard to call exactly when he is uh, going to be okay. But I have heard rumours that he might actually be available for Everton, which I'm, I'm praying for, but uh, I wouldn't be too hopeful on that. But I'm, I am hopeful we'll see him before the end of the season. And as you say, I think what was quite shocking to Villa fans is that I think over the years we've always really rated him. And obviously I think a lot of people sort of maybe thought he was a bit overrated, a bit overhyped, um, a bit of a show-off maybe, which to us was just never the case. But also it was quite surprising how long it took Gareth Southgate to warm to him. But Southgate just did not seem to want to pick the guy until kind of injuries forced his hand. Um, do you have any idea why that might be? No, not, not, not really. It's very difficult to, to glean why the perception of why any manager wouldn't, you know, would, would be picky about him. Is it something to do with his his attitude and training? And, and I'm purely speculating, is it? Is, is it well, he's a, I think his attitude, I think everyone always raves about his attitude and how good it is. And you, his mm. training videos are always, you know, when you mm. see him training, you can see he takes it very, very seriously. So he's, I think he's a very dedicated athlete. Um, just, it was, a, it was a real mystery, I think, for Villa fans, that one. But, um, oh, well, in that case, yeah, I completely concur. But if you just think of it as an England fan and you just want to watch the best, most exciting attack in England team possible in the summer after the year we've had. It just—it's a no-brainer that the Grealish has got to be in it if he's fit. Mm. 
and uh, I totally, yeah, totally agree. Of course, I, I would say that as a Villa fan, but as an England fan as well, I just, I, it's just mm. no brainer. The thought of him and Phil Foden together, very exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also, um, Calvert, Dominic Calvert Lewin and Ollie Watkins. Now, Ollie Watkins is kind of on the periphery, whereas Calvert Lewin looks set to go. Um, are you excited about what Calvert Lewin could potentially do for England, or is it going to be hard for him to get minutes considering Harry Kane's the, the main man? Uh, well, I mean, we, we spoke earlier, didn't we, about how he's, his form's tailed off a little bit in the last few months. Um, but but I think he's made his mark at international level this season. Um, he's proven that he can score goals and be a, an able understudy, along with Watkins. Um, you know, for... So, sorry, it's been an able understudy for Kane um, when he gets the opportunity. And, you know, they're, they're lucky, aren't they, in terms of they've got some exciting young centre-forwards coming through too. And I absolutely think Calvert-Lewin deserves to, to go to the Euros. Um, probably timed his poor run of form not, not brilliantly in that regard. So I think he'll be he'll have a point to prove, won't he? And try and be getting back on the score sheet in the next six games um, to try and just give, convince Southgate that he's the one to go and play, to play second ball. But um, what you'll get from Calvert-Lewin is he's brilliant at holding the ball up, yeah. even when Everton haven't created much for him. As an outlet, his his work rate is really, really, really good, and he'll he'll keep a centre back occupied for a full game. He's his his physicality and, and his athleticism and second to none. Uh, he's you know a developing lad still, but you know, he really can um, keep a keep a, a defence just absolutely up the wall. Um, and I think he's an important part of their army and enables them to play a different way. So I'd be disappointed if he didn't go. Yeah, I think he'd be very disappointed if Calvert-Lewin goes. I think he's had a brilliant season and he's a very exciting player to watch for the future. And also, I just love him for those photos he did in New York with Tom Davis. They were two young, <laughs> two young men, love absolutely loving life. Just brilliant, yeah. I, I, brilliant. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I I really have a lot of time Calvert-Lewin, so I'm excited to see kind of what he does for England and for Everton. So that's it. It's unanimous. We have decided Jack Grealish should go to the Euros. If you have an opinion on that, you can get in touch with us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com or you can contact us through Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. So, Greg, what is your prediction for the game on Saturday? So my prediction for the game on Saturday, as much as it's going to be a very, very difficult one for Everton, I think, um, they'll have a spring in their step, as I say, on the back of that historic result at the Emirates mm. um, they've been poor at Goodison Park recently uh, you know ironically the the track record at home has been really disappointing um, so <laughs> you're not exactly coming to the fortress as it, as it once was without the fans um, it's been Everton has traditionally been great at home poor on the road and it's been literally the, the other way around however having said that I think they, they're aware now that, that they've got a chance to get into Europe and Ancelotti is not going to want to let this slip. I think they might just squeeze over the line against Villa. Uh, all bets are off at your place, but I think Everton might just do the business. I think they might just get another 1-0 win. So I'm going to go for Everton 1, Villa 0. Right. I think, yeah, I think a lack of Grealish and the fact you've got Hamas Rodriguez to us could be a problem. Though a player I would look out for is Keenan Davis, who's uh, the Villa striker who... Had, seems to have everything in his game, but just couldn't score. And he finally got his first goal against West Brom the other day. And I'm, I'm quite excited to see whether he might get a, you know, a bit of time on the pitch at Goodison and whether he might be 
you know, up for it and potentially cause a few problems and maybe get another goal. Um, I'd, I'd keep an eye on Keenan Davis, but yeah, Hammers Rodriguez is, does worry me, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be optimistic and go for a score draw. Score draw, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, um, you know, over the years, Villa and Everton have had some fantastic games. Um, yeah, yeah. There's two that really stick out to me, and it, both of them are actually 3-2 wins for Villa. One was in 2002, I think, when uh, I was at Villa Park and I watched Wayne Rooney when he was 16 playing for Everton, which was mad because I was the same age and couldn't believe that I was seeing someone my age playing on the professional <laughs> football. But then yeah. also, I think Villa went 2-0 up and then you scored through Radzinski and Kevin Campbell. And very late on, Dion Dublin scored for us in front of the Holt. And then uh, also there was a very famous game at Goodison when uh, Lescott scored in the 93rd minute and then... By some miracle, Ashley Young got the went on in the ninety fourth minute and got a winner for us, which I think goes down as probably my top three moments in the Premier League era. I think. <laughs> do, you, do you have any good yeah. memories yourself of Everton Villa games? Or uh, I think I think that game you mentioned there, the, the three that second three two was an absolute classic, wasn't it? It, yeah. it really was. Um, they were, they were so evenly matched the two teams, certainly under David Moyes when Everton were regularly competing for the top five, the top six. It was always, you know, them and Villa were there and thereabouts, and you know Tottenham as well, probably in that in that category. And then Spurs just pulled ahead of both of us, didn't they? And just yes. kind of made made the leap into a consistent Champions League club, which Everton and Villa were always the sort of the, the, the part of that next band behind the traditional top four, if you like. Mm. Um, don't get me started on on the uh, the big six breakaway. <laughs> The fact that clubs like Everton and Villa you know, weren't involved, yeah. but Tottenham, who've not won the league in '61, were, but you know, a different, a different, uh, and well, well, um, probably done to death talking points. But they've had some classic games, yeah, they really have, and um, they do love a draw, don't they? Some starting yeah. to wonder if I should have started to wonder if I should have jumped on your one there, but I, I'll stick optimistically with the one that went for Everton, and uh, and look forward to uh, hopefully an entertaining game. Yeah, as you say, they are kind of very, very similar clubs. Two founder members, and then we seemingly were always in the Premier League. You always have been, and then we had our disaster season a couple of years ago, but we're, we're back now. Uh, and also, actually, one question I will ask before we go. Um, just this season, uh, you know, you don't get many opportunities for Villa and Everton to get top four. This year looked to me like a chance for Everton. Um, do, you th- do you think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity? Yes. <clears throat> I mean, there are a few lingering voices that will tell you it's still on the cards or it's still you know it's, I mean look it's mathematically not impossible Everton could still get into the top four if you look at the table as it you know as it is now that um, they're not a million miles away so Everton is sitting in eighth at the moment 52 points Chelsea are on 58 so it, it would take Everton would have to get some serious steam going and, and Chelsea and likes of West Ham would have to start dropping points I don't think that they're good enough to finish top four. And I don't think they will finish top four. I think Europa League fifth or sixth will be a massive achievement. But given how they started the season and given the unusual nature of this year, it has to count as an opportunity for clubs like Everton. Absolutely. Mm. And the fact that they're going to miss out um, is, yeah, I agree with you really. It's, it's a bit of a regret because for, nothing would surprise me in football now. And it's obviously, you know, still changing all the time. But, this felt like a chance to, to shake up the order a little bit. You know, Leicester uh, seem to have established themselves in that top four now. Mm. But fourth has felt up for grabs in a way it hasn't for a long time. Um, and I think it's disappointing. The problem with Everton is that Everton's first 11, when everyone's fit, is very, very strong and competitive with, with everyone. 
you know, Everton have, have beaten United and Liverpool and, and Chelsea this season, Tottenham home and away. Sorry, uh, they've beaten Tottenham away and drew them at, at home. But um, when injuries bite, and they have for, for all clubs, but Everton, you know, particularly hard, hardly, um, their depth, strength and depth is, is not what you need and it's not required. It's not of the requirements of a top four club. So they've been found wanting, unfortunately. Um, and that's why I say at the top of this this uh, show when we were discussing the game earlier is that Everton are getting close to full strength. So that's uh, certainly one that they'll hope can remain the case for the last six games. Okay, Greg. Um, could you just give us an idea of where we could find your work online? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be glad to. So I write about Everton. Uh, Greg Evans is my oppo, writing about Villa at The Athletic, um, which is a subscription website. You can find them on all your smart devices or on your laptop at The Athletic. And uh, myself and my colleague at The Athletic, Patrick Boyland, also do an Everton podcast, which is called Glad Tidings. Glad Tidings, that's our Everton podcast. And you can find us there and find them on Twitter at Greg OK. That's Twitter at G-R-E-G OK. Great. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire, and thank you very much for joining us, Greg. It's been my pleasure. Thanks. And uh, apart from the game on Saturday, up the villa, I hope you have a good end to the season. <laughs> and yeah, same to you. Uh, apart from Saturday, I wish Everton <laughs> all the luck in getting to the floor. I really do. <laughs> Goodbye from me. Uh, I'll be back with George and Roisin later this week to talk all things Villa. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. Mm-hmm.